Amen. Amen. Everyone is preaching my message this morning, so I'm really excited. It's nice when you know that God is actually on something. So it's no surprising that this morning I'm actually preaching on the passage, Luke chapter 15, verse from verse 11, which is the story of the prodigal son. <laughs> yeah, so I was just, this started this offer. I said, yes, and then Bob came. And so, Father, I just want to thank you that you are one. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are already in this place. Lord, I just thank you. I just yield myself to you, Father, that nothing of me be seen, but all of you be seen. Father, last week we'll be preaching in this last week, that is for your glory. Father, today as I stand here, Father, it is for your glory. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, I ask that you touch every heart, every soul, Father. Father, we as you told me, Father God, this last is how to till the soil. Father, I pray, Father, as we be tilling the soil, that every seed that is falling from the throne of grace this morning will fall on the fertile ground. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, yeah, I feel, um, I prepared this um, message, but um, on Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, I was praying at 1 in the morning, we pray from 1 to 3, and at 3 a.m., I said, I was just praying about this message. I said, God, give me a word to lean on. And I was surprised that he didn't give me this scripture. He just gave me in Matthew 22, 22. I said, what's in Matthew 22, 22? And it was just simple. He said, after they heard all this, they were marveled at his word. And then they left him. And he said, God, how can they hear your story, your beautiful words, your wisdom? And just left so I've been leaning on that word. And I just want to say this morning, you may have heard the story of the prodigal son. You may have heard it from the father's perspective, from the son's perspective, and from the brother's perspective. But just forget everything that you've heard before. So you don't walk away from hearing the words from the master empty-handed. So you don't walk away without this things bearing fruits in your heart. So how can you hear Jesus? How can you hear his wisdom? about give to Caesar was Caesar and to the Lord was the Lord. And he was so great in that sentence. The wisdom was amazing. Said they were, they marveled, but they left him. They walked away. So I pray this morning that as we to listen, that the word will rest in our heart and that we will lean in and we will question and we just go away full of wanting to seek him and know him more. Amen. So this message I'm teaching on preaching this morning, I don't teach, I preach, it's really, it's not original for me, so I'm not going to claim the credit, but I was listening to um, a Roman Catholic priest, I followed their um, length period, I followed their liturgy, he's a charismatic priest and he's one of the greatest men of God I know, I respect him, I really honor him, and he, he's so full of the spirit, so I was listening to him and something he said in that liturgy really grabbed my heart. And so I went to this story to listen for myself, to really lean on it. And so this morning, in Luke chapter 15, it's one of the famous gospels whose stories everyone knows. I've written everything down just as I want to, to communicate it so I don't miss anything. Usually, I, I just write some things down and then listen to the Holy Spirit and, and then just sometimes I don't even preach what I've written. But this time, I felt God has not shifted me from it. So he's rested on it. So I've just written down everything. It may, I may appear to be reading, but hey. So thousands of messages have been preached and will continue to be preached. Some preach of the Father's love, which we've heard this morning about how he runs after us. Some preach on um, the, the repentant son, lost son, who took everything and went away. And others still preach on the brother who stayed at home, but was filled with envy and jealousy and rage. But the true emphasis that Jesus was putting on the story of this parable is on the heart of the father. His heart to have communion, to be in one with, with us, with his children. The love of the father, the pain that he feels when the children walk away from him. The younger son had exploded. The young lad knew what he wanted and his desire led him to gamble everything 
that he took from the father away because of time that's why i'm not reading through the whole um scripture so he you, the story goes like this if you haven't heard it before the younger son came to the father and said father i can't wait before you die i want everything that is mine now i want to enjoy my life i want to have fun i want to do what all my friends are doing i want to go out and i want to experience the world and he came to the father and said so i want everything that is mine now i don't want to wait and the father in the father He's so kind and gentle and generous and loving. He didn't argue with him. So he divided the things up and he gave him his share. So the young lad, he, he, he loved seeing, he enjoyed all the things that were exciting and free. He, re he, re he, he rebelled against his father's love. He was dissatisfied with his father's provision. He was dissatisfied with the protection and guidance. But he was different from his older brother. The older brother loved home. He stayed at home. He looked after his father. He tended his father's field. He was obedient. He probably thought, you know, and we can listen to this and say how good he was. He thought he, he was smart enough to manipulate his father to get what he wanted. He loved himself too much to care about anyone else. But when we look at the brother, we don't see all these things. Pride, born out of self-conceit, was his guiding principle. But these are good pictures of sinful human beings. Victimized by sin, deluded, rebelling against the love of God. But this is also a great picture of a loving father who eagerly awaits the return of his son. A father who day by day yearns for his lost son. A father who probably is awake all night with expectation for the return of his lost son. But my contention is that this story represents the stories of two sons, two wayward sons. They are not slaves, they are not servants, but they are sons in the father's house. And therefore, this is our story. This is our story, all of us sitting in this room today. Some of us born into the house of God. Some of us find our way in. Some of us, you know, came into the faith at a younger age, but who, whichever stage we came in, we've called ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High God. So this is our story. However, I'm not focusing on these two aspects of the story today. I'm not focusing on the love of the Father. I'm not focusing on the repentance of the prodigal son. But the thing, that one word that gripped my heart is what I want to concentrate on today. The scripture said in this New King James Version, said he took his things and he went away to a far country. So I want to focus on the aspect of the story that is not often preached about, which was, which, like I said, blew my mind when I really leaned on it. So I pray as you listen, that you also grasp the story and the sense and the essence of it. So today, I want to focus on the far country in the story. Jesus told us that the younger son, not happy at home, behaved like a typical teenager, asked for his inheritance, and went to a far away country. So when he's left, he, when he squandered his inheritance. So when he was living and asking for this thing, he had no intention of reinvesting the things he was getting from his father. That was not his intention. His intention was to go and have fun and enjoy life. And he went to a faraway country. So when he left, 
His interest was not in investing his inheritance, it was to indulge in a life of sinful pleasure. In this regard, this young son shows himself to be selfish, shows himself to have acted hastily. He separated himself from his brother, distanced himself from the family of God, from relationship, and made series of bad decisions. Isn't this how sin works? Sin, first of all, separates. It separates us from, first of all, the... <laughs> so, let me switch it off. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we spend all our time on the phone. So, so that's how sin was. First of all, sin separates. First of all, you know, after separation, it makes you, I mean, the father, the boy told his father a lie. I can't wait till the end. I want my inheritance now. And to everyone else, maybe I want my inheritance now. I want to invest it. I want to do something with it. I want to multiply it. I want to grow. But that was a lie. So first you tell a lie. Then you tell another lie to cover up the other lie. And before you know it, sins leads to sin. And pretty soon, you have made strings of bad decisions. And before you know it, you are so far away from where you were. And yet, we lie to ourselves that we are still where we've always been. And so it gets easier for us to keep lying. Then the story tells us that there was a famine in the far country. You see, every time you leave the presence of God, there will always be a, fam, a famine in the far country. Famine just means lack of. It's a lack. So every time we depart from the presence of God, we are in the far country. The far country, when we are looking at it from afar, looks so beautiful. The grass is green and when you are looking at it so far away, so the far country is attractive. The far country looks so good and pleasant to the eyes. It looks like a land flowing with milk and honey. In the far country, you enjoy the pleasure of sins for a season. But after a while, famine will come. The money will run out. The music will stop playing. People soon get bored of you. And then you become broken and you become penniless. I don't mean penniless in the terms of money. The saddest is, when we here today may think that a far country is so far away from us, so far away from us who are supposedly matured in Christ. It's far away from us, those because we, we read a scripture a day to keep the devil away. The far country is far away from us because we come to church every Sunday. We think the far country is so far away because we worship, we, 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 we come together. We think so, therefore, this story of the prodigal son is not our story because we will never do that. But the truth is, the far country is not far away and it's not out of reach. I have been in the far country. I have lived in a far country. In fact, I'm still walking back from a far country. And but then, we don't, we, if somebody came to Joyce and said, Joyce, you are living in a far country, not just me, myself, would dispute that, but most people who know me, we also dispute it. This picture that Jesus has painted for us is of every single person. Whether you've been a Christian all your life, whether you've been in the house of God, or whether you've not known him at all. So the story of the prodigal son that Jesus has painted for us is for every single one of us. And as you open your heart, where I'm going, and I hope you see the need for us to always be in constant communion with God. The far country is nearer than we think. 
a far country is anywhere that a person may have lived or tries to live without God in his or her heart. You may have been a Christian for 50 years or for two months. If you live your life without the constant presence of God in your heart, you are in a far country. There are many people who have big names in Christian circles. They are elders in church. They are, they are members of various boards of Christian organizations. They are worshippers. They are engaged in ministry. But they are living in a far country. A Christian whose heart is without the fire and passion of God. A passion. And when you wake up in the morning, everything that consumes you is to live in his presence. To say, I just want you. Any Christian who lives without that fire in his heart is living in a far country. You, so, how do we know individually that we are living in a far country? I've mentioned a few things. You know you are living in a far country if you are spiritually depleted. That's the first sign that you are in, the, you are in a far country, far away from the presence of God. There are some of us who were on fire for God when we first gave our life to Christ. We couldn't wait to tell people about Jesus. We couldn't wait. We, you know, we, I know how I was. I was excited. That even, you know, my, some of my friends didn't want to be anywhere with me. Say, Joyce, should we go to Oxford Street today? But can you just promise me that you're not going to talk about Jesus all the way through? That we actually do some shopping. That's how I was when I first gave my life. Because I knew that I was lost. I was in filth. I, you know, the place he took me from. So I wanted to give him all my life. He had always been the constant person in my life. When, even when I didn't know it. When I finally realized who he was. That was always looking out for me. That when I was nearly... And there was always a way. I was so excited and so passionate about him. But over the years, sometimes over the years, I lost that passion. I lost that zeal, that, that fire that was in my belly. I was living in a far country, but I became indifferent to the things of God. Why still keeping the appearances? Of having the first love. So it is easy. To be in the house of God. To say the right things. To do the right things. And yet. Be so very far away. From the presence of God. So you know. You are in the far country. When you are spiritually depleted. And for some of us. Where there once was fire. It's not a pile of ashes. You know, you are no longer excited about the things of God. You are no longer spending time in the world. No longer interested in prayer meetings. No longer excited about participating in passionate worship. You are bored of church activities. Become unsure about the future. Become unsure about your faith. Even become unsure about the church as a whole. The fire of faith that once burned in your heart has died out. You are spiritually depleted and you are living in a far country. The second way you know you are in a far country is when you become spiritually detached. If all you can talk about is the good old days. I remember the good old days when you used to be used by God. I remember praying for somebody. They got healed. I remember ministry to somebody. They gave their life to Christ. I remember. I remember the good old days. I used to experience God daily. If that's all you speak about, about God and the power of God and the move of God is in the past tense. 
you are living in a far country. I used to evangelize. I used to be caught up in worship for hours on end. But you have no reference with what God was doing in your secret place last week, last month. Then you are living in a far country. The third way you know you are living in a far country is when you have become spiritually defeated. There are so many Christians who live in a continued life of defeat. Defeated in their Christian work, defeated in their personal work, defeated in their professional work, and in all aspects of their life. They are hesitant about what they believe. They are pessimistic about the future and the future of the church. Inactive most of the time lost enthusiasm, basically going through life without hope, basically existing and not living. They are defeated and living in a far country. The big question is, how do sons and daughters of God, who have been in a relationship with God, our Father, get to a far country? How do we get there? Because it doesn't happen overnight. I believe, and this is for me, I believe there are several reasons and several ways that we can get to a far country. Some, these days, take the journey in search of freedom. We want to be free from the rules and regulations of the church. There is grace and there's so much grace and yet the pastors and the preachers, they want to keep us in the box. We want to be free to express ourselves in whichever way or form we want. If I can just get, just get away from rules and regulations where I don't have to be told what is good and what is bad. If I can just get away from the restriction of the church so I can express myself in an authentic manner. That's the word I keep hearing over and I want to be authentic. I want to be authentic. Anything goes. We can just do whatever we like, say whatever we like because we want to be authentic. We've changed the meaning of authenticity. We've, 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 we've renamed the word. We've reinvented the word. Now it means something different. So a lot of people today, in search of freedom, they live worships, they worship the God of freedom. I want to be free to be me, but true freedom comes from Christ. For freedom, he came to set us free. The greatest freedom we can ever experience is the freedom in Christ. There is no freedom aside from life totally surrendered to him. You can look for freedom in the far country. But unless Jesus sets you free, you are not free indeed. The other reasons people get into far country because they wanted to be happy. They want to experience the happiness that comes from earthly possessions. They want the happiness that comes from how much money they have, how much fame they have, how much influence they can have. And so we'll do anything to get that happiness, to get the power, to get the fame. Meaningless things that the prophet Jeremiah called empty systems that do not hold water. So the more you seek self-happiness, the further away you get into the far country. And yet, this is where I think is the most common one. Others find themselves in the far country because they just drifted there. I drifted to a far country. I had no intention of drifting to a far country. I had no intention of not becoming, continuing to be passionate for God. I had no intention of not wanting to love him, to love my brothers, love my sister, love God with all of my heart. I had no intention. So others, I think this is where we come in, really. 
we just drifted there. Even when they are there, they resent being there. But they don't know how to get back. They don't know how to leave the far country to get back because they think they've gone too far. You see, it starts by wanting to take some time off church. By starting to take time off activities. I just need time to cool off because I didn't like the way Roger spoke to me last week. He called my top keyboard. Zitano, what was it you called it? What did you call my top last week? Was it keynote? Piano. So I'm going to take time off to cool off. Because that was offensive. You know, you don't comment on a lady's outfit. So just before then, I'm not going to go to church next week because I could be mean to him. So it's something little. Wouldn't you say that's the right thing to do? To take time off, just to cool off, in order not to, you know, say things that you might regret? Or you need that time to cool off and forgive somebody who offends you. Oh, you know what? I think I just need time for myself. I need a bit of self-care. And Sunday is the only time I'm really at home because you work Monday to Friday, Saturday, you're doing the cleaning. Sunday, you need a bit of, you know, self-care. So I'm not going to go this week. But a week turned into two. Two becomes three. And gradually, before you know it, you are in a far country and you cannot explain how you got there. So my brothers and sisters, a far country is not measured by distance. But anywhere a person's heart is far away from God, it's a far country. A far country is a world without God or where the name of God is far away. Wherever you are not, you are not continually living in the presence of the Father, it's a far country. Both the prodigal son who left home and the son who stayed at home were both living in a far country. They both sought to please themselves. A far country is a self-serving and self-exhortation place. The younger boy packed his things and he left. The older boy stayed at home but was angry. When the father came to plead with him, he did not want to go in. But instead, he said to his father, I stayed home. I never left. I never disobeyed your order. And yet you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours couldn't even bring himself to call his brother his brother. This son of yours came back. And yet, I've been here. I've been doing all the things that I know to do to help you, to tend your field. And yet, you never gave me anything. See, when I was lying on my hospital bed, this was the one thing that really stood out in my head when Jesus came and said, and there was a tear down his, um, um, down his face. And he said, we have learned to do Christianity. We have learned to do but not be Christians. So for somebody looking out and looking at the brother attending the field never knew what was in his heart why he was doing what he did. I see this at work. I even see it in church when people step in quickly. You just want, want somebody one person is out of favor they step in quickly to offer their help. Rather than restore, they say, we will help you. We will do this. We will step in. We don't worry. We will, we'll got your back. And so what they're actually doing, they see that, haven't you seen it in business cycle, it's an opportunity. It is an opportunity for us to become, to grow, to, to, to step on, you know, so we are now using somebody as, you know, as a stepping ladder. We step on them to lift ourselves up. That's basically what the second son was doing. He wasn't doing all those things because he loved the father. Because his heart was revealed when the brother came home. He said, 
he could not even say his brother's name. He said the son of yours. You see, there are those who are lost in the, like the younger son, but there are those who are lost in the house, like the older son. The irony is, those who are lost in the house are seldom counted as lost. Either by themselves or others. And that makes their condition even more precarious. It makes their conditions worse. Because the prodigal son's sin is out there for everyone to see. The older brother is not living among pigs. But he's in an environment that was wholesome and clean. He was not a waster. He was a worker in church and has been in his father's house for years and has virtue which deserves respect. And socially, he did not bring disrepute or standard. He behaved uprightly and was not morally laced. Laughs. So this son is entitled to some commendation. But this brother missed out on the high qualities in his father's love. Because he was doing for his father. He was doing things for him. He was doing, not with good intention of good motives, but so that he's seen and loved. So that one day, all the father has will be his. But it was already his anyway, but that's another preaching altogether. He simply found not to understand his father's love, his father's patience, his forbearance, and grief over his lost son. He didn't have the heart of the father. He didn't have, he didn't know the pain that the father was going through. His heart was frozen by self-conceit, so much so that he lacked understanding and compassion. His brother was a notorious sinner who deserved to be abused and punished. And so why is his father welcoming him with open arms? And I've been here. You've not seen me. I've worked hard. I've cleaned the church. I've pulled the chairs out. I'm always available when you call on me. And yet, I'm not called to lead. And yet, I'm not called to, to, to serve in a meaningful way because we all think the meaningful way is by standing here with the microphone. So if I, why haven't you called me there? I've been doing all these things. You didn't throw a party for me. But he himself, now look at me. I deserve to be praised. I've never disappointed you. I've never squandered your money. And yet, you never even gave me one goat to celebrate with my, with my friends. He's absolutely out of sympathy to both his father and his brother. His father grieved for his son who was in a far country. But it is no bother to him. He did not grieve over his brother. And when his brother returned, he has no love for neither his brother nor his father. But you know that the interesting thing that the seven deadly sin, you know, we have pride, we have, um, um, you know, three of them, pertains to sins of the flesh. And the others, really, the four others, pertain to the sins of the heart. So the brother, the younger brother, that was what he had. It was the sins of the flesh, like greed, lust, love, gluttony, that overwhelmed the prodigal son. But it was the sins of the spirit, like pride, covetousness, envy, and anger that overwhelmed the older brother. So which of these things are more deadly? These sins are more deadly than the sins of flesh. These are the conceits that makes all desire righteous. The person who has all these things may look righteous on the outside. But inside, they are raging. The sins of the spirits as really scandalous and it should not be in the house of God. It, is, it easily deceives the public and those who are unknowing that they are dealing with a religiously matured individual. So it is difficult to actually pinpoint it. 
it is difficult to awaken such people, such sinners, into the realization of their own sin. Because they are mature, this can be covered up. You can quote scripture to wrap it all up, to just glaze over it. So both sons had revolted against their father. The younger son from parental control, while the elder brother from parental love. Each of them wanted the same thing. They wanted their own way. But what's interesting is the younger brother came back repentant. But the older brother never did. Jesus told this story. This is what I was questioned. This is how I arrived here. When Jesus told the story, the way he ended the story really bothered me. Because the, 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 the younger brother, he, he went, I mean, we could see his sin. When we see people on the streets, when we minister to people on the streets, we can go to nightclub, do other, go to different places, we can see blatant sin. I'm sure we can go to these people and have a heart of compassion. We have a heart of compassion for the lost. We have people from here that goes out Saturday after Saturday to seek out the lost. But there are the lost in the house. That lost in the house of God. And my heart, and my, my heart, my compassion is for the lost in the house of God. The younger brother recognizes his desperate condition. He recognizes his father's sufficiency. He made a determined effort to return, and he did. But not so for the elder brother. I once heard a quote from John Oberg, which says, one of the hardest things in life is to stop being the younger brother without turning into the older brother. So as you sit and listen to me, are you examining your heart? Which one are you right now? Which of these two brothers are you? Are you the prodigal who returned? Or are you the elder brother who never returned? Because Jesus ended the story. Father came out and pleaded with him. And say, your brother was not coming. If we believe that the scripture is really perfectly aligned and written and arranged, we must ask why Jesus stopped the story where he did. There was nowhere in that story where he said, and the brother went in with the father. The prodigal returned. But the matured Christian who's been in the house of God all their lives, full of anger, full of envy, full of deceit, full of whatever it is that we are full of, pride. He never deemed himself a sinner to repent. He said, to the, he said I never did anything. I've been good. I've been here. I've done all the right things, said all the right words. When your son left, I was here. I was tending to your kingdom. So I deserve more than you've given me. And so he never realized that he was in a sinful uh, state that required repentance. So are you stuck in your old religious ways and think that things should always be the way they always were. Are you going to or are you going to capture the heart of the Father and celebrate what He's doing in whose ever's life He's doing it at that particular time? The beautiful thing about the love of the Father is that the choice is always ours. His goodness is always running after us. His grace is more than available for us. 
So I urge you, as I urged myself, that the only right choice here to make is to come in with the Father. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Can we have the worship team? Um, can I ask that we stand, if you're able to stand, please? I think this is a message that we need to respond to. It's a message of obedience. Um, I certainly can recognize myself as the oldest son, although I'm not old, but yeah. <laughs> I can recognize myself as the oldest son. You know, I, I've always been in church, always been in church, grew up in church. But, you know, I sometimes feel like, for those who know me, um, I've been trying to have a child for about 10 years. And sometimes I feel like, you know, I've been in church. Why haven't you killed the fattened calf for me? So for a lot of us, it might mean different things. Or some of us might be the prodigal. So can I ask that we close our eyes? Because I know sometimes people can be shy. So can we all just close our eyes? And if you feel that any of those personnel or personas, they say marketing, kind of suits you or you 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 identify one of them. Can you just raise your hands up? Because I think it's one that we need to actually respond to. We drift. I drift. And can you just ask, because the beautiful thing about that story, actually, you know, it's about the love of the Father. So regardless of where we are, the love of the Father is calling us. It's about the boundless mercy of God. So Father, I just recognize myself right now. Whatever it is for you, you know, Add your name to it and say, this is who I recognize myself as in the prodigal story. And Lord, I want you to help me. I want you to help me come back to that place of worship, to that place where I honor you alone, where I have a heart that runs after you. I mean, the, the theme of the messages in Faith Life for the last few months has been about one message, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I just come back to you. I come back to that place of actually seeing you alone. A place of boundless love. A place of worship. A place of adoration. A place where I don't feel entitled <laughs> to the goodness of God because I'm a Christian. Although the goodness of God will come after you regardless. But I'm sure some of you can recognize what I'm saying. So, Lord, I just, I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray that, Lord, that you help us come back to that place where we have a heart for you. A place that leaves behind all of the things that, you know, doesn't make sense at the end of the day. And we lean into you, Lord. We'll have a few people praying at the prayer ministry. So we'll have um, Maggie, Olive, and Roger just at the prayer stand if you think you want people to partner with you on this journey of you know total surrender they'll be there waiting for you um whatever song it is in your heart do sing i do feel quite led in the spirit to actually sing the song of actually you know rededication back uh to the place of worship When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Longing just to bring 
something that's so worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself. It's not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. But it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. And it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Heart of worship. But it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Hey, don't. Last year, I went to um, Hereford to spend time with my friend, and I went, we went to a garden center, and I got this little thing, and I was going to give it to, just add it to a Christmas present for somebody, but every present I added to didn't feel right, so I took it out, take it out. I put it with Cheryl's one, it didn't quite fit, I put it in somebody's job, so I'm saying, oh, so why did I buy this uh, thing, you know? But this morning, as I, was, I picked up my Bible from prayer room. Somehow it stuck out, so I, I pulled it out. And it just felt so right. It says life is like a camera. You focus on what's important. Capture the good times, times with God. <laughs> Develop from the negatives. And if things don't work out, take another shot and I thought that's exactly it if it's not working where we are just come back to God just turn our heart back to him just turn our heart back to him where it's all about him because that's where life makes sense in the presence of God is fullness of joy. That's where life makes sense. Whatever you may be going through right now, I tell you, when you get in the presence of God, solution comes. may not be exactly how you want it, but always comes. You can never spend time in the presence of God and not have a solution. That's where it all makes sense. So let's come back to the heart of worship where it's all about him. Where it's all about Jesus. And so I also want to say if there's any prodigal in the house, we're talking about sons in the house. What about the prodigals? You're just thinking, yes, even though I've come to church, I have not really totally surrendered my heart to God. So I'm not going to let you leave this place. I'm not going to call you to come out. I'm just, this is a personal business with God. If you just open your heart right now and just repeat this short prayer. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you came and you died and you were buried and on the third day you rose from the grave where you ascended into heaven now seated at the right hand of the father i'm sorry where i've when where i've lived my life without you i'm sorry when i've
turned my back on all the things that you've done for me. I'm sorry for where I've made it about me when it's all about you. So Jesus, I invite you into my heart to come and be Lord and Savior of my life. And Father, I ask to give me that gift that Jesus promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I receive him now to be with me, to lead me, to guide me, and to show me Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for welcoming me back home. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And if you pray that prayer and you just want somebody to, to know that you prayed that prayer, we said we have our prayer uh, ministry team. Yeah, just speak to them. Or if you are struggling with, with life and you want somebody to just agree with you because the Bible said where two shall agree as touching anything is done by our Father in heaven. He loves you. His goodness runs after you. His goodness ran after me. All you just have to do is be still enough. Just be still enough. And then be wise enough just to turn around to see what you've left behind. His goodness runs after us daily. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Amen.